Welcome to the Spirit of Praise broadcast coming to you from Tabernacle of Praise Church International, York, South Carolina. I'm Bishop Alfred Jackson. I'm thankful that you tuned in today. I pray that the message uh, will bless you and impact your life in a powerful way. Again, thank you for tuning in. Enjoy the message. to Jesus as a victory belongs to you and me. Let, me. let me tell you, you may be going through some things right now and it may not seem like you have the victory. <laughs> but we don't live by sight. We live by faith. And we stand on the word of the Lord. And I just want to tell you this, that it might be thundering and lightning in your life right now. The rain might be pouring down in your life right now. I mean, the, 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 the twisters may be coming. But let me tell you something. Don't give up. Keep on going through the storm. Because you're going to come out on the other side. And the sun is going to shine. Victory. Victory. Belongs to you. Oh yes. So 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 don't go by what it looks like right now. Don't go by what it looks like right now. You gotta see this in Christ Jesus. You gotta see this in faith. You've got to see victory when you don't feel victory. 
you've got to see victory when you're not experiencing victory. Oh, bless the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, glory. Thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your presence in this place this morning. We want to go right into the word of the Lord. Amen. In Matthew chapter 13. Glory to the name of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 13, uh, the scripture that was read in your hearing, glory to God. And at verse 36, Jesus explains the parable. Then Jesus sent the multitude away and went into, this is Matthew 13, 36, and went into the house. And his disciples came to him saying, explain to us <clears throat> the parable of the tares of the field. He answered and said to them, he who sows the good seed is the son of man. And you know, son of man in Matthew refers to, to Christ. The field is the world. <clears throat> the good seeds are the sons of the kingdom, but the tares are the sons of the wicked one. The enemy who sowed them is the devil. Mm. The harvest is the end of, this, of the age, and the reapers are the angels. Therefore, as the tares are gathered and burned in the fire, so it will be at the end of this age. The Son of Man will send out his angels, and they will gather out of his kingdom all things that offend and those who practice lawlessness, and will cast them into the furnace of fire. There will be wailing and gnashing of teeth. Then the righteous will shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. <clears throat> I want to continue talking about creating a kingdom culture and in particular talk about when good and evil must grow together. When good and evil must grow together. So Father, thank you for this opportunity to stand in this holy place and proclaim your holy word. We thank you, Lord, for your anointing. I pray for a fresh anointing of your spirit that I might minister under your anointing this morning. Give me clarity of thought. Help me to communicate. Anoint me to communicate clearly this morning the word that you've communicated to me, to your people. Have your way. Be glorified. We know your word will accomplish what you desire. It will not return to you empty. So we give you praise and glory and honor today. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Okay. I'm, I, I, I'm, I, I want to be very direct and to the point in this message this morning. We're well into, into our time uh, that we would like to be on Facebook this morning. Um, when good and evil must grow together. Uh, there are times when we think that we have God all figured out only to find that he's said or he's done something that knocks our dogma out of the water. Dogma is practice, okay, that knocks our dogma out of the water. Sometimes even our beliefs, sometimes our theology, because remember, we are finite beings. We're not infinite like God is. We don't know everything that there is to know about God. And I've discovered 
that unless you do know everything there is to know about God and his word, it's always better to be open to him. It's always better to be open to his wisdom in all matters, in all matters. The best that we can do is to search the scriptures and seek to rightly divide the word of God, to, to, to understand the original languages of the Bible and to understand all of the nuances of grammar and, 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 and interpret scripture from that vantage point. And most Christians don't, don't do that, don't know that, don't even know how to do that. I, I am not a student of Greek, I am not a student of Hebrew, nor am I a student of Aramaic. And I depend heavily upon commentaries, but I don't look at one commentary. I've learned to search commentaries and search scriptures and use Bible dictionaries and, and concordances and look up words and, and, and because I am not a student of Hebrew or Greek, which, which are the two major languages of the Bible and definitely not Aramaic, and most Christians are not. So therefore, many times, many times we, if we're not careful, will miss a lot of what the Scripture says. Yeah, yeah, and we will misinterpret a lot of what the Scripture says. And we always bring ourselves into the picture, all right? We bring our background, we bring our experiences, we bring our culture and the understanding of our culture into the experience of our interpreting Scripture. And most Christians in the Western world interprets things in the scripture from a Western perspective. And many Christians don't even understand the difference in East and West. You know, we, when we say West, we're thinking California. <laughs> and so we don't realize that scripture was written in an Eastern culture, uh, which was the culture of, of, of that part of the world where Jerusalem was, uh, where, uh, where, 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 where Israel was, and, and that side of the world. Uh, and so we, we approach Scripture from a Western perspective. And I've shared some things with you, even with me ministering in Africa and, and things been brought to my attention, uh, where I would have interpreted it one way, being raised in the United States and in the church in the United States, and then going into, into a Western culture uh, where, where things are totally different and, and, and misinterpreted scripture. Uh, questions raised that I would have to go back and seek an answer from their perspective, not from my Western perspective. And a lot of times missionaries have gone into different parts of the world with a Western perspective and, and tried to try to introduce and try to force people to accept a Western perspective, and it's just not going to work. It's not going to work. When people from the United States, not even missionaries, when people, when we take our agenda into the Western world and try to force our Western understanding, our, our very liberal Western culture into that culture, it does not work. It is not ever going to work. Who said that we were right anyway? Who said that we were right, you know? And that's, that's so hard for people here in the United States to get because we think, we think that our way is the best way. It's the best way. We have to be very, very careful. I, I caution, I caution our, our, our people in, in, in West Africa in particular, uh, dealing with marriage even. The traditional marriage is much stronger than the Western marriage. 
And, and I caution people uh, in, in Liberia in particular because I've had to deal with this more in Liberia. Honor your culture when it comes to marriage. Don't feel that you have to go through a Western marriage in order for it to be honored in the culture. Yeah, because the, the, your marriage is much stronger. You just don't go and get a divorce in West Africa. If I take a wife, then that wife becomes a part of my family. And, and if I want to divorce her, I have to go back to her family because now she's, I have to deal with my family and I have to deal with her family. I just don't go to the courts. I, it's family. And I have to go back and I take her back. A lady said to her husband one time in my presence, if you're finished with me, take me back to my family. Because you just don't walk away. You just don't. It's much, the, the, that culture and marriage in that culture is much stronger than it is in the United, in, in Western culture. But anyway, that just gives us a little hint that, 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 that our way is not always right. That when we, when, we, when we approach Scripture, we have to be open to the Spirit of God. We have to really do the studying. We have to really dig into the nuances of the Scriptures and the nuances of language and really do the studying. doesn't mean that we can't, that the, that the ordinary person, the person who's not been to seminary, doesn't mean that you can't understand the Scripture. All right? It means that you have to study, and it means that you have to be open. It really means that you have to be open to teaching. You have to be open to the Spirit of the Lord. And you can't be so hard-nosed. This way is right. This is the way it has to be. This is how I understand. And so, you know, a lot of things have been happening over the, over the past few weeks. And I've mentioned this scripture, I think, three times. This is, this is the second, third sermon. And I know I've mentioned the scripture three times, and last night I almost, almost went a different direction. The Holy Spirit brought me back here. He said, you have been in this scripture and mentioned in this scripture, and now you want to go in a different direction. No, come back to the scripture. So I'm back at the scripture. Okay? All right. So this particular scripture definitely raises an issue that the church of the Lord Jesus Christ uh, and, and Christians must be open to him on. All right. This parable raises the issue of bad seeds being sown among good seeds in the kingdom. All right. I read it. I read the scripture to you all earlier. And this is Jesus talking. And, and I understand that most of us are not farmers, but pay attention. You planted something in school. You planted a seed uh, and you watched that seed grow. So, you know, a little bit of something about planting um, and, and I didn't want to just talk about wheat and tares. That's why the Lord gave me the topic, when good and evil must grow together. And notice, must grow together. We don't want good and evil to grow together. If we see anything evil, we want to root it out. Yeah, we'll get rid of it. That's evil. Get rid of it. And that's the way the church is operated. We see something bad in the church, we want to root it out. Get rid of it. Sometimes what we call bad is not necessarily bad. Sometimes what we call bad is people made a mistake. Now, 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 notice this scripture does not deal with discipline. All right? This scripture deals with evil. It deals with evil, and the church has to know the difference. All right? And this scripture deals with the enemy, Satan, coming in and sowing evil seed among the good seed that the Lord has sown. So there are people who are born again. There are people who come to Christ. There are people who are serious about the Lord. But we find now, 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 this scripture talks about in the kingdom. 
remember this, the church is an agency of the kingdom. The church is not the kingdom, but is an agency of the kingdom. What do you mean? Um, the state of South Carolina is a, ha, has a government. In the government, there are different departments or different agencies, all right? You understand what I'm talking about? All right, so the Department of Social Services is an agency of the state of South Carolina. The Department of Mental Health is an agency of the state of South Carolina, okay? So in the kingdom, in the kingdom of Jesus Christ, the kingdom is the rule of God in the hearts and the lives of people of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. People have submitted themselves to the Lord Jesus Christ. So the kingdom, as, as we've taught for the last two Sundays, is not about observation. It's not here. It's not at 229 Wood Street. We can't give an address for the kingdom. The kingdom is wherever people who've allowed Jesus Christ to come into their lives and rule in their lives. That's where the kingdom is. So the kingdom, kingdom can be at your address or it cannot be at your address. The kingdom can be at a person's at your address and not you at that address. Do you understand what I mean? You're married, your husband is not saved and you're saved. Well, you're in the kingdom. He not. You, you, you and your husband are saved, and you got children that are not saved. And you, you, you and your husband allow the Lord to rule in your hearts. You're saved, you're in the kingdom, your children are not. But they might be members of the church. Because the church accepts members. We should be dealing with people being born again, but we don't deal with that too much anymore. We don't, we don't do what the old saints and the holy church used to do, make you go out and seek the Lord, get you on the altar and pray over you and, 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 and yell over you and spit over you and clap over you and pray and pray until you come through, until you know you've been born again. Amen. The spitting didn't help, glory to God, but it was a prayer. Amen. It was your sincereness at the altar, seeking the Lord and praying for a breakthrough and praying for a revelation of Jesus Christ to come in your heart, breaking your will down so that so that you will yield your will to the will of the Heavenly Father because salvation is about you submitting your will to the will of God. It's not about you just saying, oh, I believe Jesus is Lord. Amen. It's not just about that. The devil knows that there's a God and he trembles. All right? So, so the church is an agency of the kingdom, and it is important for us to remember that. So when we look at this parable, and we, we, we see Jesus talks about the enemy came and sowed good seed among, bad seed among the good seed, we might say, how can that happen? And it happened because of the agency of the kingdom, the church. All right? All right? And so notice what happens. All right? So when, now this, this bad seed, it grew. When the wheat grew, the good seed, which was wheat, when it grew, the bad seed grew. It's, the word was zizania. It was a weed that looked much like the wheat. They looked, it looked so much like the wheat that you couldn't tell the difference until it grew up. So, so in the church, there are people who look so much like Christians that you don't know until situations arise. You can be as loving and kind as you want to be, but let somebody push you up against a wall. 
back you into a corner. And then what happens to your Christianity? But for the born-again Christian, when you're pushed against the wall, you remember that the weapons of your warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down the strongholds. And sometimes the Lord allows us to be challenged in situations so that we can see who we are. And as I was reading this parable, one of the things that dropped in my mind was, in my spirit was, that the Holy Spirit revealed to me was, make sure that you're wheat and you're not a tear. You're not a weed. As you read this parable, you're challenged as a believer to see where you are because you really want to make sure that you're wheat. Have you ever challenged yourself and asked you, am I asked yourself, am I really saved? Come on, be honest. Oh, oh, so you just you just know it. <laughs> you just going about your business. I, I, I got baptized. I'm a member of Tabernacle of Praise Church International. My pastor, Bishop Alfred Jackson. I pay my tithes and my offerings, and I support everything. That church. But where is your heart? Jesus said that, that many will come into their crying, Lord, Lord. And he'll say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never, oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. I don't want that to happen for me. I don't want that to happen for you. I want to hear the Lord say, well done, good and faithful servant. When I get to heaven, I want to see everybody that I preach to. I may not remember all of them, but at least I want to remember everybody that I pastored over, over these years. I want to see you in heaven. Praise the name of Jesus. I don't want to hear the Lord say, depart from me, you work of iniquity, for I never knew you. So when I look at this parable and I see what, the, what, what happened. The, the, the servants, the servants realized what had gone, what had happened, because eventually, listen, now, this is something that I love, and this is something that, that a lot of people don't know anything about today, but I'll use this, poke salad. Anybody know about poke salad? Yeah, okay. Now, if you're not careful, when you go in the woods, there is a weed that looks just like poke salad. Poke salad is already poisonous. So you definitely don't want to get a weed. You don't want the weed. You got to prepare that poke salad just right so that you don't get sick from it. So you don't want the weed. You got to know the difference. And I remember one day I was, I was, I was, Somewhere, it was Deacon Frank Bratton at Fishing Creek because they knew I loved poke salad and every year Sister Bratton would make me poke salad. And so we were out picking and, and there was a weed that looked like the poke And he said, and I was about, he said, no, don't pick that one. That's not poke salad. And it made me pay attention from that point forward. Now, I knew the difference, but I wasn't paying attention. Now, as, 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 the, as the praise team was ministering, the Lord gave me a message. You're about to see me over there writing. And I was writing, I had to stop and I had to write what the Lord gave me so that I wouldn't forget it. But part of that was about paying attention. And I won't go into that because it really doesn't deal with this message, but it was about being attentive. About being attentive. We've got to pay attention at all times. So I was about to pick the wrong thing. And he said, no, 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 no. He said, don't pick that. That's not poke salad. That's just a weed. So if you're uncareful, you have to, you have to pay attention. And so, so the servants and the master knew that the zanya was not wheat. And the servants wanted to pull it up. Now, the master knew that this was not a wise thing to do. Okay? 
Because as plants grow together, you know, I love gardening. And so I've even experienced this this year. If you don't keep the grass out of your garden, if you let it stay there for a long time, and then you go back and you try to get it out, the roots have already become intertwined with the plants. So as you pull the grass, if you're not careful, you'll pull up some of the plants. Because the roots have become intertwined. All right? Not that the plant has become grass, and that's important to know. The plant does not become grass, but the roots have become tangled up together. And so when you pull the grass, if you're not careful, you'll pull up the plant too. So the master said, don't do this. He said, no. One translation said, leave it alone. Leave them alone. And when I, several weeks ago when I was reading this, that stuck out of my mind. Leave them alone. Leave them alone. In the church, we don't want to leave certain things alone. We want to put our hands on everything. You got to learn how to leave things alone. Some things you need to leave alone. In the kingdom, some things you need to leave alone. He said, let them both grow together. Is that what he said? Let them both grow together. Okay? He said, no, lest while you gather up the tares, the zizania, you also uproot the wheat with them. Let them both grow together until the harvest. And at the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, first gather together the tares and bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barns. Amen. So he knew, don't, 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 don't try to pull the tares up now. They've grown. You, it's grown together too long. It's grown together too long. The roots have become intertwined. And if you try to pull up the zizania, the tares, the weeds, you're going to pull the wheat up too. Okay. All right. Now, now, let me back up because I kind of like talked through a lot of my message and not really followed my points. To be clear, this parable does not address every wrong or bad thing that successfully sneaks into the church. There are things in Scripture, uh, things that the Scripture speaks to that are wrong. There's wrong attitudes, there's wrong behavior, there's wrong actions among believers. We have to address those things. Don't feel like that the church should not address these things. We have to address these things because we have to challenge each other to grow together in the Lord. This is speaking to believers. You remember the, the, the woman that was caught in, in adultery? All right? You know how Jesus dealt with the situation. First of all, he didn't deal with the woman. He dealt with those who caught her in adultery because they were guilty of voyeurism. They were, apparently in order to catch her, they were sneaking around houses looking in windows uh, and, and to see what was going on. They had a serious problem. And he said, let the one who is without sin cast the first stone. I've heard that sermon preached a lot of times and people never go to this point. When he finished dealing with them, after he stooped down and wrote on the ground and looked up and he said, woman, where are your accusers? She said, master, I have none. He said, neither do I condemn you. But it didn't stop right there. He said, go and sin no more. 
I've heard a lot of sermons preached and they never go to go and sin no more because there's a philosophy in the church that we're all sinners and we're, we're eventually going to sin. So don't tell people to go and sin no more. That is incorrect. Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? We're challenged and we should challenge each other. And we have a responsibility when we are part of the body of Christ to challenge each other. I don't know where we developed this philosophy from in the church that you can't come to me and talk to me when you see me falling into sin. No, you have a right to come to me. It is your responsibility to talk to me, to counsel me, to pray for me. I don't know what people, well, I know people have that, well, everybody's doing wrong. No, everybody's not doing wrong. And if somebody is doing wrong, it doesn't mean that they don't care about your soul. So if my doctor is sick, I'm going to go to my doctor, and I see that he has cancer, I'm going to say to my doctor, well, doctor, don't tell me nothing about cancer. You got cancer too. How stupid is that? That's very stupid. Because I've never studied medicine. I don't know what to prescribe. I don't know what to do because I'm not a student of medicine. But he is a student of medicine. He or she knows what to do, and I, if I'm wise enough, needs to take his or her advice. Do you understand what I'm saying? So there's a lot of stuff that, that creeps in because people, people are caught up in pride, and people are caught up in, in, in who they are and, and, and easily offended and don't, don't want anybody to tell them anything. We can never be the church if we can't counsel each other and help each other grow in the Lord. Yeah. So, so we have a responsibility, okay? Yeah. Um, so we need to deal with things that the Scripture te teaches us to deal with, all right? But then there are some people that have come into the church, and they're evil. They have no good intention. But we've let them stay long enough that they've become intertwined. They've developed relationships. If you're uncareful, they'll develop a relationship with your children. Folk will come into your house and your family. If you're uncareful, if you don't have a spirit of discernment, and they will develop relationships with your children. And then you, you realize what's going on, and then you try to deal with it, and your child turns against you because you tried to deal with that evil spirit. That's, 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 that's kind of a sad situation. And it'll happen in the church. If we aren't careful when we try to deal with that evil, then we're going to root up some of the young wheat, the good wheat. I shouldn't just say young because some old people. I've had people leave T.O.P. because they got mad because I dealt with a situation. They should have known better. They should have been mature you know, and I didn't put anybody out of the church. I just dealt with the situation. Well, who is he to think that he can tell? Well, first of all, anyway, let's, let's go on. <laughs> Sometimes people are placed in the body, by, in the fellowship, by the enemy to create distraction, to take away the nutrients from the true plants, and that, 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 you know, when you study the reason that you need to keep your garden clean is because the weeds take nutrients away from the, from the, from the good plants. So you, you continually work with your garden to keep the weeds out so that the good plants can get all of the nutrients that they need to grow. 
And sometimes the enemies have just pulling nutrients away. The teaching is going on and people are casting doubt. People are asking questions to cast doubt and throwing stuff in to cast doubt. Or, 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 or the teaching is going on and now they're pulling people to go here and to go there. And now I always go to a different church. But sometimes it's to go to the nightclub and to go to this thing, go to the other thing. You know, and that's a real challenge for believers. That's a real challenge for believers because we really have not come to grips with being separate from the world. And, 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 you know, that's a real challenge for believers because, you know, we have a lot of different opinions on what it means to come out from among them and be separate because we feel like we, we don't need to be separate. We need to, we need to show people we're just like them. Ooh, so I'm going to go and take a drink to show you I'm just like you. I'm going to smoke some weed to show I'm just like you. And some other things to show you that I'm just like you. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. But even in the midst of that, this parable shows us that there are times when evil has to grow together with the good. And it gives us some direction. Gives us some direction. Okay? And hopefully... Well, let me say this while it's on my mind, because I'm going to finish this message. One of the reasons that the Lord just, be, that this parable kept pressing in my spirit was because all of the political stuff that we see, and we see the church siding in politics and choosing one party as being more righteous than, a, than the other party based on a couple of things. Abortion and same-sex marriage. And we see that. And we see that. We see those two issues push. push. Abortion more than anything else. And see, we believe in the right to life. But sometimes this issue has become so rooted and it's dangerous when people of the world try to get the understanding of the church and try to run with it. And then the church doesn't take a stand that the scripture takes here. You got to let some things grow together. There's some issues you got to let grow together. You created a world system or Satan created a world system and if you're not careful, you're going to root up if you try to throw some things out and root some things up, you are going to pull up some wheat with the tares because you have to realize that in the United States, we are not a Christian nation by law. You got you to gotta deal with that. I don't care. Yes, we have Christian standards, but it is not legislated in our Constitution that we are a Christian nation. And so now we're after the fact, we're trying to push a Christian agenda, and we should, we should preach Christ, but we have to be careful how we approach this thing on a governmental standpoint, on a wide standpoint, because we're going to root up some wheat with some tares. 
Our hope is not lost. Let me go ahead and share my share, share the points of this of this message. Because what we have to realize is all hope is not lost. Don't feel like that you gotta that you got to handle this situation. You know, it is dangerous. It will be very dangerous. It was dangerous with Hitler. It was dangerous with Hitler, saints. It was dangerous with Constantine. It is dangerous when, 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 I don't know how to say this one. But it's dangerous when you take ungodly people and you put them in political office and then you tie a Christian agenda to them. They're not led by the Spirit of God. They don't understand the Spirit of God. They will not listen to your counsel, and then they start pushing a political agenda. What if there was, this country was only a Republican Party? We would be in a bad, bad, bad situation. We would be. We would be. Now you can, you can, you can add some more to that because I don't want this to be political. All right. But yeah, yeah, I think about that all of the time. If we only follow, you know, when you read read political platforms, go and read the Democratic platform, read the Republican platform. It's a piece of paper. One writer said, a platform is only as good as the people who subscribe to it. And so your political, your people in politics, your people, the people in the Senate and in the House of Representatives and even the president sometimes have never read their political platform. And most people who are Republicans or Democrats have never read the political platform. It's a piece of paper. It's theory. That's like a lot of people have never read the Bible. For, so for them, this is all theory what the pastor is preaching. Go back and read. So what must we do when good and evil must grow together? And remember that there are times when good and evil must grow together. What must we do? When you look at this parable, you have to ask that question. If, if, if Jesus gave this parable and said, if the weeds are growing up with the wheat, they're not just out there with weeds. But most of the time, if weeds are just out there with weeds, you're going to leave them alone anyway. But they're growing up with the wheat. Don't pull them up. Let them grow together until the harvest. Now notice that in the parable, Jesus said, that when the grain had sprouted and produced a crop, then the tares also appeared. So this is not at the young stage. That's why it was so difficult to tell what they were. It was when they had sprouted, when they became mature, and they had begun to produce fruit. That's why you better be careful. You look at your life and see what kind of fruit you're bearing. I know the Bible teaches us not to judge, but you have to look at how, what that scripture says about not judging. Because, no, I shouldn't say the Bible. The Bible does not teach us not to judge. Let me say it like that. Because that parable says, get the, 
the mote out of a beam, a mote out of your eye, and then get the speck out of the other person's eye. So it doesn't say don't judge. Because we're always making judgments. If you don't know what an apple is and you go to the store and you buy grapefruit, you're in trouble. You got to know the difference. And so, 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 with the tree, before it bears fruit, you should be able to, to discern from the leaves. You may not be able to discern from the stem, but from the leaves, what type of tree it is. And definitely, once the fruit comes on, you will know what type of tree it is. Okay. So now then, these plants have become established. They're not the young plants. They're not just sprouting out of the ground. They become established. So when good and evil must grow together, are y'all listening? The important thing is that you must yourself become established. Good and evil, evil is all around us. All right? Become an established plant in the kingdom. Don't be a wishy-washy Christian. Become established. It is your responsibility to become established. We're gonna we're gonna provide some nutrients. We're gonna provide some 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 fertilizer. We're gonna till your soil every time you come to preaching and teaching. Your soil is being tilled for you to grow and become established. It's important for you to become established. In the kingdom, the planters don't do all of the work. In the kingdom, the farmer doesn't do all of the work. In the kingdom with human beings, humans have work to do. For you to become established in your faith, you have work to do. One of the things that, that one of the commentaries said was, this parable shows us that there's no perfect church. Okay? And part of the reason you have church hoppers because people are looking for a perfect church. Part of it, not all of it. I said part, right? You're not going to find a perfect church. Everywhere you go, there's going to be problems. Because you're dealing with human beings. We got problems. You become established. You become established. How many of us that are part of TOP here and those who are listening can say that we take advantage of every opportunity to become established? Become an established plan. So that when evil is around you, all right, you do not have to worry about the evil affecting you negatively because you are established in the kingdom. Establishment. Second point. Remember that the kingdom of heaven is not primarily the church. But it's God's sovereign rule in the whole universe, including the church. All right? The kingdom of heaven is not primarily the church. Okay? But it is the rule of God, the sovereign rule of God in the whole universe, including the church. 
So when you look at this, this is for perspective's sake, okay? This is not about the immediate triumph of believers. We just finished singing, victory belongs to Jesus, victory belongs to me. In some situations, you may not experience victory. It still belongs to you. Okay. So here we are in the church. We want everybody to be holy. We want everybody to live holy. Okay. And then we want to deal with those unholy people and put them out of the church. No. This is not about a pure church. And this is something, this is something that the church has to deal with. It's something that the that Christians have to deal with all over the world. Because we want everybody to be pure. How many of us in here are totally pure? Well, pure. Again, half pure. You can't be halfway. <laughs> Woo! How many of you never have a negative thought? Sinful thought. You know, you've heard that saying, if, if, if your private life were flashed up on the screen of the church, Lord have mercy. <laughs> so when you look at this, it's letting us know that while we are in the world, yes, the Bible teaches us to be holy. And the challenge for us is to be holy. But holiness is progressive. We're always dealing with issues in our lives. And while we're pointing our finger at somebody else and the wrong that they've done, we have to remember that when you're pointing your finger, three more pointing back at you. We've all sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. Never forget that. We have to be merciful with people. We have to be gracious with people because God has graced us. Oh, the church would be a better place if we understood that. We could minister more effectively to people who are struggling with issues in their lives if we knew how to grace people. What we will do is that as long as we don't know that somebody has a problem, they can do anything that they want to do and it's fine. But if they got a problem, then some of us start backing up. Oh, did you hear? Did you see? I don't want her singing before me anymore. I can't stand to listen to somebody. And knowing what they did, I don't want them up singing before me. Ooh, when you get so pure? I don't want to hear that preacher. I know what he was doing. Oh, when you get so pure? So your children ought to tell you, Mama, I don't hear what you got to say because I know what you were doing. Now you're ready to slap somebody in the mouth. Now you're ready to go to war. But you're a part of the church. And so this is not, and, and, and churches have divided. Denominations have been, why do you think the holiness denomination started? Because they were more holy than those unholy Baptist people. So we start a holiness church. Holiness a hell. And you put your long dress on down to the floor and you are covering over your head. You don't show your bosom. Make sure you men, you wear loose pants in the church. Let me tell you something. I won't be very carnal about this. I don't want, I want to be carnal right now, but I ain't going to be carnal. But you know, long dresses come off. 
It ain't the long dress. Woo, it's the holiness that's in the heart. It ain't the loose pants. It's the holiness that's in the heart. You can do all of these outward things. And you can separate yourself only to find that when you've separated yourself, you still have issues. So this is really speaking against us being self-righteous. It's really speaking against us having this attitude, the church having this attitude that we are right and, and anybody else who's wrong, we label them as evil and we put them out. Be very careful. Very careful how you deal with this thing because what you see is evil. The Lord might have, you know, when you read this parable, there's nothing hidden from the Lord's eyes. Do you ever think about this? So if, if, if the enemy sowed evil seed in the kingdom, don't you know that the Lord knew it? So the Lord, the Lord has purposes in allowing anything. You know, the Lord just could have, could have, could have, not even allowed the serpent to be in the Garden of Eden. But he allowed it. Because we are free moral agents and we have to have options. Let me go on and mean to preach this long. Lastly, this is about patiently waiting until God's purposes are worked out and he brings history to his final conclusion. Ooh, patiently waiting. Patiently waiting. One of the things that, that, that one thing we need to do is patiently wait until God's purposes are worked out. God, God, why did you allow this? We may not fully understand his purposes in the beginning, but wait. Patiently wait. When you're waiting, God is doing something in you. While we're waiting, God is doing something in us. While we're seeing evil, God is doing something in us. We tend to be impatient. We want to change things right away. And it's usually change in others, not change in ourselves. It's interesting how people want the death penalty for people who do wrong until there's somebody in their family. The Bible says in Galatians 6 and 1, brethren, if someone is caught in a fault, you who are spiritual, restore that person in a spirit of gentleness and in gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Who that lets me know that what I might think is evil may not be evil. It may be a situation that God has presented where I need to minister to that person. And I need to consider myself my righteous self, my holy self, unless I be tempted. Don't ever think you are above temptation. There may be things that you won't do, but there is a sin that easily besets you. Don't think you won't be tempted. Jesus was patient. Jesus was open to those who were open to him. Zacchaeus 
is an example of Jesus' patience. Everybody hated Zacchaeus because he was a tax collector. But when Jesus met Zacchaeus, Jesus said, today, I must abide at your house. Some people you don't want to deal with because of what they've done. They're unholy. They're ungodly. Maybe God brought you, brought them into your path so that you could minister to them. Ooh. Ooh. That was part of what I wrote down today, and I can't preach it, but it talked about the spirit of discernment and how Christians have to always be on our P's and Q's when it comes to discernment because we don't know what people are going through at the moment. Somebody calls you on the phone and they want to talk to you and you're so busy because you, you, you're caught up in yourself doing what you want to do and you're not paying attention. Oh, I don't have time. That might be the moment that that person needs you. That person might be about to commit suicide. And they just need to hear the Lord, the Lord had them dial your number. And they needed somebody to take the time to listen. Sometimes you don't know what to say, but just listen. You don't know what people may be going through. You know, I deal with that all the time. I'm going through stuff and people want something from me. Of course, you know, I can't say what I'm going Well, I did say it the other day. But I can't say that I'm going through something. You know, I'm the pastor. I ain't supposed to say that. You know, I'm not ever supposed to be going through anything. <laughs> I'm supposed to have it together all of the time. But sometimes people come and people on, on the mission field will write me. They want to get on Facebook. I don't want to talk. You know, I may be going through something. People are expecting things from me. And they're not discerning that this is not the time or, or this is the time not to bring your thing to me, but to deal with me about what I may be going to give a word of encouragement to me. Whoo, God help us today. Let me tell you something. We got to be attentive. Jesus said to Zacchaeus, today. I will abide at your house. And you see what happened to Zacchaeus because Jesus was attentive. Zacchaeus didn't even come down on the ground. He was up in the sycamore tree. And Jesus discerned that he was up there. We'll never make the church perfect. It's not our place to make the church perfect. Okay? Okay. When we see evil, we don't know what to do about it. Maybe the Lord is saying, wait until the harvest. Harvest is coming. Tell your neighbor, harvest is coming. This is an eschatological uh, uh, parable. It points to eschatology. It points to the end times. Let us never forget that harvest is coming. And in the harvest, the Lord has already ordained his angels who know the difference and know how to separate the good from the evil. And notice what he says. He says, in the harvest, my angels will separate the zizania from the wheat. And they will bundle the zizania up and they will throw it into the fire. But the wheat they will put in my barns. Jesus knows who's he, who, who's people, who are his people. He knows in the kingdom. He knows. 
You know, we can't legislate good because all of us are evil. All of us are born in sin and shaped in iniquity. Our hearts are deceitful. Don't get caught up in all this political stuff. That's why I appreciate Tony Evans' message about voting kingdom and not voting political party. Discern the, the will of God. Don't get caught up in calling Republicans evil and Democrats evil. The church has been pulled in and played by the political parties. And we're not looking at the will of God. We're not looking at the heart of God and the character of God. We're seeing holiness and righteousness. We're forgetting compassion. We're forgetting love. We're forgetting mercy. We're forgetting grace. There are times that good and evil must grow together. Harvest is coming. Ooh, Lord have mercy. Read Revelation 22 and 12. And Jesus said, and behold, I come quickly and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his works. Harvest is coming. So let's surrender. Let's, let's, let's look to God and never try to pull out the evil from the good when we don't know how to do it. There's sin that we have to deal with, but there's some evil people. There's some evil concepts. There's some, some evil doctrine. There's some diabolical plans of the enemy. Deal with this parable. Let the Lord speak to you. Let the Lord minister to you from this parable. I guarantee you, your perspective on life and people will change. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you desire. Thank you that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. Thank you for sending your word to us today. Thank you for what your word will accomplish in our lives. It's in the mighty and the majestic name of Jesus that we pray and we thank you. Amen. Amen. So today, today the word of the Lord has, has gone forth. If there is someone today who has not accepted the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord, God wants to give you that opportunity today. He wants to give you that opportunity to yield your life to him. This is not just about you going to heaven when eventually in Christ you will, but you think about the Lord's rule and the Lord's reign. Jesus is Lord. He has a kingdom that he wants you to be a part of, that he invites you to be a part of. When you realize that you're not the Lord of your life, that you can't rule, that you can't control your life and live like you want to live and still enter the Lord's kingdom, then you come to the point prayerfully that you need to see the need to yield your life to the Lord. There's some benefits of being a part of God's kingdom. And the only way to be a part of the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ is to accept Jesus Christ as your Savior and your Lord. Let him rule your life. Yield yourself. Get off the throne. Give up your right to yield your life and accept Jesus and allow him to rule in your life. This is what salvation is all about. He calls you. 
He's calling you to be a part of his kingdom. Not just in the church now. He wants you to be a part of his kingdom. He want, doesn't want to take away the, your life. He wants to give you fullness of life, fullness of joy. He wants to give you the peace that only being a part of his kingdom can give you. He wants you to experience his love that only being a part of his kingdom can allow you to experience. He wants you to experience, you to experience the wholeness of a personhood that only being a part of his kingdom can bring. You. He's speaking to you right now. He's calling you right now. If you want to receive Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, you feel the tugging, you feel the pulling, there's a yearning in your heart. The Lord is speaking to you. Just pray this prayer with me. Lord Jesus, I am a sinner. I cannot save myself. And I call you Lord because you died on the cross. You paid the price for my sin. You satisfied God's law so that I could be saved. God has made you both Lord and Christ. And to enter the kingdom, I must accept you. Lord, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Save me from my sin. Be my Savior. I yield to you so that you will be my Lord today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for hearing me. Thank you for receiving me. Thank you that right now, because of my decision to accept your sacrifice on the cross, and to accept you, I am saved. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Salvation is not by feeling. Salvation is by faith. The Bible says, as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become his sons and daughters. Because you received Jesus, he's given you that right. He's accepted you according to the word of God. Write to us. Let us know the decision that you've made so that we can follow up with you. On our website, there's a place where you can send an email to us. We will follow up with you. We will give you some literature. We will pray with you. If you're not in this area, we can, we can help you find a church. If you don't know one yourself, where you can connect to so you can continue this growth process. Amen. If you are a backslider one time in your life, you're giving your life to Christ, but you strayed away. Maybe you looked at the church. Maybe something happened in the church, and you, know, you thought it shouldn't happen. Maybe this message spoke to you. Maybe you were being judgmental. 
You thought everybody was supposed to be perfect and everybody's not perfect. Give your life back to the Lord. Rededicate your life to the Lord so that you can be a part of his kingdom and a part of what he's doing in this world. God has a calling on your life. There's a gifting in your life. That's what I mean by calling per se, so that you can be used to minister to other people. Don't just take your giftings and use them for the devil. Just ask the Lord to forgive you. If we confess our sins, the Lord is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Do that today. Pray that prayer of confession. Ask the Lord to restore you. The Lord will do that. Let us know that you've done that as well so we can, we can help you in that growth process. I just want to say a brief prayer today for every believer, every saint. God, thank you for your word, the power of your word. Thank you that your word does not return to you void. Thank you that you accomplish all that you desire through your word. Continue to, Lord, as help us to continue to allow your word to work in our lives. Whatever our situations, whatever our circumstances, God, meet every need that's in this house, every need that's, that's listening on this, on this, to this broadcast today. Holy Spirit, minister to our needs, minister to our hurt, minister to our pain. We lift up Brother Harold Howes today. Touch his body in the name of Jesus. Pray for Sister Howes, Lord God, and her children. We don't know the condition and situation right now, but we pray for healing. You are the sovereign God. You can do what no power in this world can do. Anyone else that's sick has an affliction, we plead the blood of Jesus over their lives. We pray against cancer, against diabetes, fibromyalgia, in the name of, we curse it at the very root, in the name of Jesus. Cancer, we curse it at the very root, in the name of Jesus. God, have your way now. We submit to you. Your desire for us is that we prosper and that we be in health. Even as our souls prosper, we claim that for us, Lord. We claim that for our lives. It's in Jesus' mighty name that we pray and we thank you. Amen. Well, that brings us to the end of the message for today. I pray that you've been blessed by the message. And if you have, write to us. Let us know how this message has impacted your life. Or if you've made a decision for Christ today to follow Jesus as your Savior and your Lord, write to us and let us know that as well. And give us your information so that we can follow up with you. You may write to us at Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. That's Tabernacle of Praise at msn.com. Give us your email address or a way to contact you so that we can follow up with you. Also, we would like for you to sow into this ministry. If you've been blessed by this work, by the preaching of the gospel and the teaching of the gospel, and you would like to help further this cause, we're not just preaching here in the United States. We are preaching around the world. Through this podcast, our messages are being heard in many places around the world. We are actively working in eight countries in the world, on the ground in Liberia, Malawi, Burkina Faso, Ghana, Guinea, uh, Kenya, and Dominican Republic. So if you'd like to help us in this work, feel free to sow a seed to help further the preaching and teaching of the gospel of Jesus Christ 
and the expanding of the kingdom of God. If you would like to give, go to topraise.org forward slash give. Again, thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Continue to pray with us and for us as we continue to spread this gospel of Jesus Christ around the world. God bless you.